This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And welcome back. I understand, Greg, this is the uh, last episode we'll do in this studio. Yes, we will be moving to another studio. It may have a little bit of time in between this one and the next one. Not positive about that, but yes, this is uh, very sentimental for us, but we're moving on to a new one. Yes, so we have two places, two primary places for our recording, and this is the uh, larger studio, which gives us a lot of space <laughs> from other people, which is great. So a um, couple of things happened since we last talked. So if you recall, Greg, a couple of shows ago, and for those of you who uh, haven't listened to that show yet, there's an episode where we compare a number of songs and try to ask about what those songs have in common. Yes. And they had one thing in common. Those songs were written by... Mr. Steinman? Jim Steinman. Yes. Jim Steinman, who uh, who died this week. Yeah, and I was very sad to hear that. Uh, I know you mentioned we should get him on the show. That was the goal. Which I was uh, thinking about. And uh, I think he died of kidney failure. Oh, that's I think awful. he's been sick for a while. I did not know that. So, great composer. Wonderful songs, and uh, we lost them today, so... Yeah, sorry for his family. Yes, and we obviously won't have him on the show. No, but we I still think that Steve Young will probably be healthy enough, so we'll make it happen. Yeah, yes, I've seen that he's on a few other local shows, and I'm wondering why we don't have him on ours. <laughs> so, uh, we wanted to talk this week about the Super League, and the Super League, of course, would be these 12 teams in European soccer leagues who would create this 12-team league make all kinds of money, and then make it difficult for other leagues that exist already in uh, in Europe, most especially the Premier League. I think six teams were going to leave that. Yes. And um, that the be- the, arguably the best league in the world. They were just going to leave it. Yeah. And that imploded fast. It did. Was it 48 hours? Yeah, I think that's the, uh, the quickest thing I've ever seen, Greg. It went down really, really I mean, fast. A lot of money to be made. And the argument was that uh, football is for the fans, not for these billionaires. And the cities, the towns, these are their teams, and they would lose that identity, and uh, the fans were revolting. It was interesting to me. There was some talk, which I expected, about Americans and how they come over and don't have the same sense of history and don't have the same emotional tie and are just looking for the buck and uh, so people some people are blaming saying this is the American influence but maybe there's some truth to that I think what I found most interesting if you talk about like power to the people uh, which might make some of our both Republican and and Democrat leaders in Congress think um, the people got upset fast and the people let them know um, we're not going to sit quietly for this and I thought that was very interesting yeah, they were outside. Uh, I know they were out in front of the uh, Chelsea Football Club at the gates before the game, uh, screaming about this. What I found most interesting was that uh, the juxtaposition of the fans, Greg, and the empty stadium. So you had like 200 fans. I'm making the number up, but it's pretty pretty big. Not huge, but pretty big. Standing there without masks on, for the most part, if not all of them, without masks on, shouting, we saved football, we saved football, yep. but they won't let him in the stadium. No. These guys aren't afraid to actually be standing next to each other screaming with spit flying out of their mouths, I'm sure, <laughs> and they can't go Maybe in there and go, and they can't be, you know, that just cracked me up. Yeah. That it's cracked this, me up. The Super League is now a super spreader. It's done. 
It's done. Super League is done, which is great now. Um, we're going to talk about one other thing since we had Charles Davis on. And, um, you know, the draft is uh, is this... Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Yep. And um, so I'm listening to a few people. And Colin Cowherd loves to take his shots. You know, he hates Baker Mayfield. I uh, know. And I love Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he hates him. And so now he's declared that the biggest bust, the biggest loser, uh, equating him to a film, The Titanic... And giving him a fifteen percent chance of succeeding. Do you think it's the film, which was actually sh- shockingly successful, or is it the ship? I think it's the ship. Yeah, yeah. Zach Wilson <laughs> is the lowest on his list. At the top of his list, of course, is Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yep. And I think uh, Trey Lance is pretty high, seventy percent. I think Mac Jones fifty percent. I can't remember what Justin Fields was. I don't remember either. But nobody was below fifty percent, except for Zach, who's at fifteen percent. Yeah. And I heard another procrastinator, not procrastinator, prognosticator, prognosticator today telling me that Justin Fields more than likely will be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Wow. And that Zach Wilson and Mac Jones have no chance whatsoever, which is great. You get to say these things. We get to say these things too, right? Uh, I mean, I just couldn't bring myself to say something that stupid. No. Now, it's it's unfortunate that... uh, I'm not saying he won't be in the Hall of Fame. I'm simply saying it's just early to be saying this about anybody. It's a little early. I mean, do you, do you think Matt Stafford will be in the Hall of Fame? That's an interesting question. Great stats. He does. Tremendous stats. So anyway, so we just want to say that, you know, we can all say what we want to say. We can all guess at these things. As we mentioned earlier, I, at least I believe that Zach Wilson has to win a playoff game in the first three years to get the uh, pressure off his back. If you're with the New York Jets and you're still playing quarterback in three years, you have done something that, monumental. That is a great point that's a great point so uh you know we'll see what happens the draft comes and then you've got quite a few games to play before anything pans out but uh, it's, it's amazing guy like cowherd can say whatever he wants to say and never ever has to he does his where colin was right where colin was wrong but not on this type of thing no he's not going to come back and say hey, i was wrong on baker mayfield it's not gonna but you get to say your hot take you know you do it and you're good just like uh, what's his name Nick on the other show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get to say your hot take about the Taysom Hill, la, la. So we do our hot takes right here for the uh, tens of thousands who are listening every week to the show. One of the things we got, Greg, in the conversation about uh, us when we're just doing this together and we don't have guests on uh, is that people do appreciate some of the advice that we give them. I've heard the same. So we tell some stories about things that have happened, and most of these are relating to work. Yeah, on the business side. Yeah. So just want to talk about promotion. If we look at the classic film, I'm sorry, not film, films or TV shows from way back when, mm-hmm. it was typically in the old days, in the 50s, it was some dad coming home saying, I got promoted. Did you get that promotion, Darren? Mm-hmm. Did you get that promotion? Did you ask him for the promotion? Did you get the promotion? Yep. And they got that promotion. Now it's, of course, not limited to men. But on those old black and white shows, it definitely was. But the conversation about getting promoted. And so when people go into the workforce, I don't know, Greg, do you think they think? Oh, I think everybody thinks about getting promoted. I think there are two reasons why, principally, that people think about getting promoted. And there's nothing wrong with either of them. One is that we, I believe, are self-aggrandizing creatures and we want status. And a promotion is a way to get additional status inside of the organization that you're working in. 
And secondly, almost always, we assume that with a promotion comes an increase in pay. Yeah. Yes. Now, there are places where you go where they will increase your responsibilities and not give you an increase in pay at all. Yes, that's a fun place to be. And individuals enjoy that in some locations (laughs) because it's status for them as well. Right. They say, I have North America and I have Europe now. That's great. Which, you know, I didn't ask you how much you got paid previously. I'm not going to ask you now. Uh, I'm going to assume you didn't get any more pay <laughs> on that one. But people like it because it feels like, you know, there's more responsibility and and, and uh, that could lead to promotion in the future. But most people think when I go into this thing, I would like to advance Yeah, and find a way to do that. So people that we talk to ask this question all the time, how do I get promoted? How do I move up? Now, one of the things we talked about earlier one of the better questions you can ask, it's a two-part question, which is, uh, what do I need to know and what do I need to do to be successful in the organization? Along those lines, you've got to figure out who's getting promoted and why in those organizations. If you can, try to figure out who right, is it. Because it, it can differ. It does differ from organization to organization. Right. It's never the same even inside no, the one you're in. It's not. So, you, I mean, it, it's wise to try to get the lay of the land, figure out how does it work around here. Right. And so, so you f- figure out what, what's the most valuable for people in the organization. What have I seen? What have people done? How do they get rewarded? People will say this all the time. We are a pay for performance company. And yeah. you can't, you ask them for an artifact that would indicate that they actually are. You can't find one, Greg. You, you have to because it's, because it's data-driven. It's data. You have to. I mean, so people say, okay, what do I need to know and do to be successful in the organization? Getting a lay of the land is the first thing. Um, and, and so without exception, you have to do extremely well at what you're doing. Yeah, you, have to have, you have to have the ability to actually produce and to be a contributor. So be, be, be good at what you're doing first. Yep. And, um, and then there are places where if you don't ask for a promotion, you'll never get one. Mm-hmm. And if there are places where you do ask, people are saying, why are you asking? We'll let you know. So you got to figure that out because that's embarrassing. It is. Uh, I asked for a raise one time and someone said, oh, you finally asked me. <laughs> wow, is that how this works here? No, that's not how it worked actually ever again in 20 years. <laughs> but that was the first time I just thought, I'll ask, see what's going on with this thing. Uh, if, I could get, if I could get a pay raise. So a couple of things you need to keep in mind. When you're doing this, and we'll get back into some of the things you have to do, potentially could do, or what people say you need to do to get promoted. And we'll be cynical about most of them. I have to be, yeah, I have to struggle very hard right now. Yeah, we'll be be cynical about most of them. (laughs) But remember, all of this is predicated on you accepting the fact that somebody else decides what happens to you. Yes. That's it. And heaven forgive you for doing that. The great Peter Block, Greg, (laughs) subjugation in return for safety. Which is completely illusory. False safety. So, so this is all based on the premise that you are there yep, serving the entity, and for that, you expect something in return. Mm-hmm. Now, the entity has a few things that we need to keep in mind that never go away. One is they have limited resources. They only have so much time, they only have so much money, and they only have so many positions. And most of those organizations have limited the number of people who can be at a certain level. Right. Not unlimited. Nope. I wanted to jokingly say, unless you're working in a bank, <laughs> then everybody's a vice president. Everybody's a Everyone's vice president. Everyone's a vice president. Tristan president. Yeah. Vice president. Senior, senior vice, vice president. president. Executive vice president. Assistant to the assistant senior vice president. So, the, 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 and they will have to squeeze that in. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you find yourself in that funnel. 
There's nothing you can do about that. They're going to do a four to one ratio or a three to one ratio at every level. So for every vice president, there are four associate vice presidents and then there are, and, and so on and so on as you go down the pyramid on this thing. And so what do they do to keep those things from getting out of whack, Greg? I'm not really sure. They, they, what they do is they create these artificial hoops. Yes. Artificial hoops you got to jump through. Right. Or time periods you have to be in place, certain skills you have to demonstrate. As pertaining to your expertise. <laughs> and they'll, they'll have goal lines, Greg, and they just keep moving the goal line on you. Yep. And as you get closer to it, something else comes up. And you, you've got to be completely asleep not to see that as it's happening. Yep. Completely asleep because you can see it. So, so what they do, as Greg mentioned, they have time things. So one of the first ones is we, we used to call back in the day when Greg and I worked in the plant, we had technicians who would get qualified on pieces of equipment. You had a plotter. A plotter, just think of a plotter as a giant Play-Doh machine where I worked on my, my section, Greg. And the giant plotter would squeeze out the soap into a plug. And then the plug would then get on a conveyor belt and go on a stamp and get stamped. Right, so there's those same thing in ivory. Same thing in ivory. So there's a plotter and a stamp, and behind the plotter and the stamp is a cartoner, where they went into patents. What I remember, though, just one second. Yeah. What I remember with the stamp was you really it was so fast you actually couldn't see it. Yes, and the cartoner even faster. It's like I I have to say I'm not really good with machines, not at all. Why I was there is, makes no sense at all, but. I was am- I was amazed by that. I would sit there and stare at that thing yeah. and say, "Good gosh, I can't. It's so fast you can't see it." Yeah. Same thing with the cartoner. When you get to the cartoner, the spindle would hit with a suction cup, pull off the cart and drop it down. Then then you'd have mechanical fingers that would open this thing up as it went through whatever. That was so fast it looked like it wasn't even moving. Yep. And then from the cartoner, it would go into the bundler where you would have the bundles of four, 12, eight packs, whatever it was, and that was wrapping them in that cellophane. And then it would go in the case packer. Okay, hold on, though. Yeah. What's the saw? Wasn't there something like saw washer or saw? There might have been on your side, side on yeah. ivory, because yeah. you definitely had a different process. Yeah, okay. Fine enough. I'll so, have to go look back yeah. and think of that. And uh, yeah, when you can't sleep at night, <laughs> think about, you know, what the uh, Alpha Laval heat exchanger was doing for your oh for your soap. Gosh. So you had those pieces, unit ops, plotter, Yep. Stamp, Gartner, Gartner Bundler, yep. Case Bagger. Five of those. Yep. And so if you got qualified in all those things, you would get paid more money. Yep. By contract, since it was a union. Yep. At this time. And so you wanted as many people qualified as you could have if you were if you were the manager running that that line because you needed flexibility. Yes, you did. Vacation schedules. And I wanted people who could had both skill sets, making and packing. Right. Which was a new thing for them at the time. Yep. It was separated by making and packing. So you got paid more money. And so people then said, well, we can't have that. <laughs> we can't have that. Yes, it would increase flexibility. Yes, it might even reduce overtime. It, it could help be helpful to us. But they built something into the system called dwell time. And they made them wait. After you got qualified on the cartner and the stamp, you had to wait six or eight months before you could actually be qualified on the next thing. It was called dwell time. And we would tell them, all that's happening now is that the technician is dwelling a <laughs> dwelling on this and getting angry. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. So so they're artificial things, Greg. You'll see people who will say certifications for certain things like SHRM. Society for Human Resources Management, I guess it, that's what it is. Yeah. 
If you want to be a senior person, you have to have been in a role for five years. So what what, what do the years mean, Greg? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you could be sitting doing nothing for five years. I what does it mean? It's just a control mechanism. It's just a way of saying, we can't have everybody doing this all at once. We want to sort of even this thing out. And, and then we can, and it's just a way to not have to spend all that money all at once. I, I, I do understand, to be fair, you do learn things in a job. You do. And, you, and it does take some time to do that. But I think picking the, an arbitrary number, five years. Five years. Yes, five years. What happens in the world in five yeah. years now? Yes. And, and this, is where I'm, this is where you made me promise. I would not be cynical, so I will turn the time back over yes. to you. Well, no, you can be cynical because you think I, I, it, years are not an indicator no. of, of performance. You can have five years of the same bull crap all the same can, time learning nothing. It's just five right. years. You're just five years older and much closer to death. You're just That's there. all. Right. But it's a hurdle they can put in front of yeah, you. exactly. And they can say that doesn't, doesn't matter. And then they, they'll go through a bunch of other things. So these are the common ones that we hear when people are talking about getting promoted. Now, there's a technical piece of it, Greg. No. You're technically competent. Yep. yep. You can do what it is you're supposed to do. Hopefully. If you're getting ready to get promoted, you probably can do most of those things from a technical standpoint. And so if, you, if you've gone through your dwell time and you've made your technical stuff, and that's not necessarily relevant when you're having this conversation about somebody who wants to become uh, the, the, at the next level in, in, uh, in the accounting organization. So technically, you have to be competent enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's... People have their competency models, if it's basic, intermediate, advanced, whatever it might be. So they move more into the soft areas. And the soft areas are beautiful, Greg. They're beautiful because I don't know if I know what that means. I know that I don't. (laughs) So you just say stuff to people. Leadership. Yeah. So let's just start with them. So one of the things we hear all the time is that if you want to get promoted, uh, you have to be more strategic. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Be more strategic in your work. How long have you been doing this stuff, Greg? A long time. Do you know what it means to be more strategic? I don't. I don't either. So I have to go into what I think it's not. Right. What is that? Executional? <laughs> don't get stuff done? What does it mean? I, I don't know what it means. To be more strategic. So see bigger picture? Possibly. To... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... Right, right now, it's right now. So outside of the musical moments, right, torturing my brother right now because he's saying to me, "I don't have the answer because it's a stupid question, and no one should be asking the question." I honestly feel this is how I feel. How and I know more strategic. Christian can, Christian can edit this out because he's a wizard. But I feel like this: if you want to get promoted, there are three things you should do. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yep. Number one, you should actually learn your business, and that yeah. means understand your business. End to end, how does it actually work? Really understand where you sit in the marketplace, how how your company actually makes money, um, how you personally contribute to what, whatever it is that your company is doing. Under, take the time to really dive in and understand your business. That's number one. Number two, I think, which is very close to it, is that you, you need to be able to show uh, that you have skills, that you have the capacity to actually bring value to this business and uh, and to allow it to to grow and to make the money it needs to continue to grow. And then number three, and finally, then I'm done. I don't have any more skills, anything to talk about, but I will say this much. The last thing is this. You need to be able to, you need to, be able to have your supervisor come to you and say, hey, Greg, I need you to do this. And she or he needs to know that you're just going to go do it. You'll come back and ask a question 
when there's something that gets in your way, but generally speaking, they can understand that you can take a project, take an assignment, and you'll just, you'll just do it. And I think if you have those three things, you not only have the capacity to be promoted and to grow within the organization, I also feel that when you decide to come to yourself, as the Bible says, you're ready to have your own business. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate path. So, so yes, and to, you, to that last point, Greg, this is what happens in organizations when um, individuals do what you just described those that cannot resent them. Yes. And so you have individuals, managers, bosses, your boss gives you more responsibility and leaves you alone most often when they can actually count on that, when they feel like that's what will happen when I give it to you. I don't have to worry about it anymore. If you're going to come back in the beginning, ask me some questions, that'd be great. And after that happens, that individual has a great deal of trust. And so one of the positive things that we're talking about, there are other things, we'll get to the, the positive in a second, but remember, there's this dwell time thing making you wait long enough, you have to be more strategic, they'll also tell you to demonstrate more leadership and be able to influence people. Influence, yeah. All of these things that, uh, that are important, Yes. but not necessarily things that they can explain to you how to do that. And what do I do, what, tell me what I should do to influence people. I mean, that's a really hard thing. And so you can keep using those excuses to say you're not going to get it because you're not influencing people. And then after you get into an organization, Greg, where the competition is so internally focused that you can actually influence everybody, be more strategic, demonstrate leadership, and be less than the person next to you who did it better than you or with a greater impact or it had a bigger impact on, on the organization and so you don't get it. Even after you did everything they said you had to do, right. it still wasn't good enough because someone did it better than you did. So we get, we get back to this. Now, listen, you're out there. If you're listening, all six of you, <laughs> stay focused and remember, you just have to be aware yeah. of what it is around it, you. You're in a game, whether you like it or not. Yes. You're in this game. That's why it's never just a game. It's bigger than that. People who say, what I'm going to do, Greg, is I'm just going to keep my head down and work hard and, and good things will come for me. Yeah, good luck. I've never seen that happen. Muy buenas suerte. No, I've never seen it happen. No, I, I think this from a very tactical standpoint, I think it's important that you, when you feel that you should have a promotion or should be on that path, that you need to be willing to ask for it. Yes. But you need to get grounded as to how that happens in the organization in which you work. And then you also, and then, but, but don't just say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to go ask, right? I mean, you, you get some context of how it works there. And then I think you should prepare. You should prepare your case. Yes. For why you should get this, why you deserve this, or even if you don't get it right then while you're on that path and see if you can get some sort of commitment. Even if you, you don't get it right then, some sort of commitment to a process that's measurable for how, for when and how it would happen in the future. But if you just walk in there and say, hey, just think about it. Even if, put yourself in the role as the supervisor. Someone just walks in out of nowhere and just says that. There's no context for it. There's no process that you're, that, that, no part of the a normal process. And you and you don't have a case to be, to make then it's probably not going to go well for you. It's not. And, and, and do we know people who actually believe they should be promoted when they're not even anywhere near yes. that? And have people come to us over the course of our careers asking for that? Sure. Yes. Sure. And, and having, having an honest conversation, you owe them that. I agree. You owe them an honest conversation. It's, it's what Block, Peter Block, again, the great Peter Block, said at one point that you 
should tell people where they stand honestly so they can make a good decision about their own lives. I agree. Not waiting on you to tell you that, uh, tell them that it's, it's time for you. So to Greg's point earlier, um, do, being able to demonstrate the ability to get those things done, it is what Machiavelli said, what fair to virtue. That's what Machiavelli said. A virtuous person gets stuff done. That's the description. It wasn't in some type of religious Christian right. Judeo thing. And so a couple of other things, get this stuff done, a couple of other things we've seen over time that have been beneficial to people as they prepare to get promoted. If they can do a few things, these three things are very high on my list, and I'm happy to hear Greg's thoughts about them as well. The first one is being able to see and fix problems, specifically problems other people haven't been able to see. So problem-solving skill set, going in there, not to, to, to tear down what you're working with, but to be able to identify problems and fix those things that the organization hasn't been able to do or see. That's a huge benefit to every totally, company. Totally agree with that. If you can do that, and then along with that one, still part one, it's one, one A, I would say, is have the ability to actually communicate what that is and convince people, because you have to, to do something new and different from whatever it is you're going to change. Very hard when systems have been in place for a long time and people have been doing it their way for decades. To say to them that was probably not the best way and then convince them to do it after that, it's pretty hard. If you can do that, I want you on my team. I agree, 100%. The, the second one is being able to actually lead people to achieve a difficult goal. Because if it's really hard in the middle of it, Greg, as you know, I mean, as we talked about before, everything's a failure midway. If it's really difficult, you're going to have to actually overcome obstacles to make that happen. If you if you have a track record of achieving difficult things, overcoming obstacles along the way, I, I want you on my team. You were just quoting Roosevelt Moss, can't Yeah. All yes. change is a failure in the middle. Yes. It's all a failure midway. Yeah. And the third one is that you actually have a way with people, which, by the way, in some organizations is, is considered a negative, Greg, right? That, that people like you. We're not actually mentioning that you have to like me, but we're saying have a way with people. And if you had to describe what a way is, Greg, how would you describe having a way with people? Uh, for me, it's, 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 it's having a way to actually communicate with people and, have, and having an ability to help people come together and and work together. And honestly, it's, it's people looking at you as someone who can facilitate that because there's a level of trust uh, in, in who you are and in your ability to lead. Yeah, and that trust piece is huge. This is why you had people in the middle of the night, union stewards coming to talk to you about things that they probably wouldn't talk to other managers about because they trusted that, that you'd be fair with them no matter what happened. Those are the types of things. Those are just three things. Yep. The types of things that organizations would look at in a positive way and say, I want to promote that person. If you could hire people who could do that, your biggest problem, Greg, would be having to figure out who gets promoted first. Right. With that, if you had a team of people who could actually do that for you. And then as we said earlier, it's a very real thing. People will resent those people. Yeah. I remember um, when I was working at a bank, um, I actually, over a period of time, years, it was years, I got um, promoted and um, 
and I thought it was very nice, and there and there was uh, a reasonable, not a very large, but a reasonable amount of money, small amount of money that came with it. Um, but what I didn't know until about three or four months later is that there was another gentleman there who's actually, we're still very good friends, who absolutely deserved to be promoted as well, and just hadn't yet. He was subsequently, but he, but he was mad. Oh yeah, he was he was not happy at all, and I think some of it came my way, but mostly he was mad at the people who did the promotion. And I think we don't always. I didn't think about it. I got caught completely off guard yeah. because I really liked him. We're good friends, and I don't think he thought it was my fault. But he was mad, and he had a very strong case why he should be promoted, and eventually was. But I was actually caught a little flat footed by that. I remember a voicemail that someone left for me when I got promoted one time, and. uh it said, hey, congratulations, NJ. So excited for you. I never dreamt you would get to that level before me. <laughs> but it was, it was, I was honest, man. It was, it was, I mean, he was, he was not happy about it. That reminds me of the, my big fat Greek wedding where they say to Tula, we never thought you'd get married. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, had At a least few, he was honest about yeah, it. I mean, uh, he came out, came forward and told you about that, but. It just reinforces the same thing that all politics is local. People are always thinking one thing. What does this mean to me? Yeah. And the other thing we've talked about previously, try to, if you can, consider your promotion as um, something based on your merit, what you have done, the potential, by the way. Promotions include what people think you can do next because there should be either greater responsibilities or broader responsibilities or more impactful responsibilities. And fight the urge to, when you're not promoted, fight the urge to compare yourself to the lowest common denominator yep. and saying, if NJ got promoted, then why can't I? Yeah. And so just try to figure out a way not to look at that because you'll just, it'll eat you alive right. in there as they stumble through life and everything they do, you'll, you'll magnify the negative of that. And it's not a positive thing for you as a person. Spend your time saying, if NJ got promoted, why not me? Look how bad he is. I should be up there. But I do want to say this. If you think you should be promoted and if you make a case for being promoted and if you go and ask for it and it doesn't happen and if this is a recurring theme i think you have to think about do i want to stay here sure now we have a story from way back in the day um and by the way someone from our from uh, from back in the day greg when uh work at uh robert abramson bobby we knew yep. him as bobby uh he posted something on facebook the other day said how old do you have to be to start saying Back in the day, because I'm doing it a lot, he said. And I'm thinking, I, we, I, say, I know I say it all the time. Yep. Um, but, but you know, um, in fact, I just lost where I was going. Back, I, 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 was, I was simply saying that if you tried several times. Yes. So back in the day, when we were, thank you for that prompting there, to, as that moment, senior moment, we, we had someone that worked with us in the warehouse. And that person worked for Mike in middle America, one of the greatest no people kidding. in the world. I worked for Mike in Middle America at the time, and uh, we had a little, we had a little uh, conversation one time because Mike wanted me to go on second shift and drive the fork trucks. He wanted you yeah. to drive the fork. Did he know what your last name was? Yeah, and so <laughs> honestly, Greg, after what we did on shift in the plant, and I worked for his brother Mike, I mean Mark at the time. We don't have to demonstrate anything on shift. No. And so Mike and I have this chat. It wasn't great. So yeah, I was up on a fork truck and the guy named PT was running next to me trying to, you know, his life was in his hands at that moment, PT. And so Mike had this conversation with one of the engineers that was working there at the warehouse. And he basically said to him, you know what? You don't like this. You don't really like it at all. 
you're studying this entrepreneur stuff at school right now. Um, you should just go do that, man. Don't stay here. Yep. You're not going to be happy here. He wasn't underperforming. It wasn't like you had to actually fire this right. guy. He just said, this is not what's in it for you. And the dude left. And I think the company he started with some friends back in 2000, it's like 20 years ago, sold for $105 million, Oh, my god! I think. Yeah. But let's, end the, let's end the show right now. I mean, there. that's the best advice that's anyone beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he should send Mike a check every month. He should. For yeah, that. There should be an annuity. But having that conversation, if it's not happening for you. Right. And if it's not really what you want to do. Right. Subjugation in return for safety <laughs> is a bad equation. It is. And, and, and sometimes there's not a great fit. Sometimes there's, there could be a, a whole host of reasons why it's not working. But I mean, I don't think you need to bang your head against that wall for 20 years before you realize this just wasn't working. Yeah. So, so here's just to wrap up the thought on this. This is peace. We don't want to sound it all sound terribly negative. Oh, the organization. Yeah, the organization has its ways to to minimize the number of promotions. They're going to use that from time to soft skills to other technical competencies to the fact that someone's better than you. All of those things. They'll use those things where they can. Just be aware of them. And if you keep seeing, as Greg mentioned, if you keep seeing those hoops moving then maybe it's not going to happen. Yep. And maybe it's worth considering someplace else where it could happen for you. The positive things are that you just demonstrate the skill sets we talked about. Make sure that people know you want because, you know, your desire does matter. It does. In that equation. And if you don't tell anybody about it, how can you blame them? I remember filling out a sheet, Greg, a long time ago, and they're asking, you, would you go on international assignments? Which countries would you go? I like checked every box. <laughs> there was. You said you would? I didn't think it would even matter. I don't think it did matter. I, I, I got my assignment because the person who was mentoring me and sponsoring me said, we need to send you on an international assignment. I, I don't think that Dennis Schuler ever saw a box check that I did uh, back yeah. in my first five, five, three years with the company. I had no idea. Highly doubtful. No, he just said, this is experience. But because this is an experience he had right. that was fantastic for him, said, you need to have this now. Yeah. But, I, but if you're asking me from the beginning, I'd say yes. So make sure people know what your desire is to do these things. And then unfortunately, there are moments where you need to have somebody who's going to help you do that. And so make sure oh, you create the right relationships for that to happen. So oh, I want to say one yeah, last thing. Yeah, a lot of preaching here today. I think, I, think, I think I may have said this on a previous one, but just in case. When I was going for that promotion at one place, I was really, really uptight about the money I was asking for. Oh, really? Like really, really <laughs> uptight about it. And, and uh, because I just saw the world the way I was and I thought... I had done a market analysis and I, I thought I really deserved it and I thought it was clearly within Mark and it was. Um, and it eventually worked out. But we have one of our one of our guests on the show, Mr. Berman, uh, who owned the whole company. I spoke to him about it in New York and, and, and on the phone and, and he and I was afraid to do this. I just say this especially to the young people. Yeah. I was I was afraid. And I thought this is gonna be really bad, but I thought I, I know it's the right number and I'm just gonna say it after I practiced nine times. Right. And he essentially said to me that that was not even something that they would notice as a rounding error. Yeah. So lighten up. <laughs> that feels good. That feels good too. So I, 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 I thank stress, you for that because then I was like, I'm going to go do it now because the big guy said it's a joke. Then I thought maybe I should ask for more, but I, did, I stopped myself. That's a stress. It's, a, it's a lot of stress, man. Yeah, it is stress. And, and part of it is, the last note is part of it is conditioning. When you're in institutions, you get conditioned and they, they actually put those barriers on you. I mean, it's what it's one of the meanest things that uh, our stepmother ever said to me, Greg. <laughs> one of the meanest things she Make ever, your bed? No, no. 
One of the meanest things she ever said to me, she said to me in the combination, it went like this. When I look at you at Procter & Gamble, I see a bull elephant they have tethered with a string. Oh, my word. You don't, you've forgotten how smart you are. You have forgotten how dynamic you are. You've forgotten how capable you are. You've forgotten that already. Oh, you got to give her credit for that. Yeah. Brutal, man. Brutal. It was brutal, but it was actually brutal. helpful, and you, look, yeah. you still remember it. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things you realized, I'm not, I'm not, you can't do what you want to do. That tether is tight. Yeah. But it's only a string because you become conditioned, so you don't ask for those things. Right. And you accept whatever they give you, and you'll be grateful for it. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, Eat those eggs or you're going to have them for breakfast. And as bad as it might have been that day when I finally did go and ask for it, uh, this many years later, I feel good about myself because I did it. Yeah. Even if they had said no to me, which was entirely possible. Yeah. uh, And what I would be regretting right now, all these years later, is that I didn't have the guts to do it. I mean, I shouldn't just walk in willy-nilly. I did a lot of research to get ready for that. But, um, you know, don't be afraid to do what you think is right. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. It's very expensive if you don't after a while. Subjugation in return for safety. (laughs) Brutal. By the way, before I left Procter & Gamble, that would scroll across. Remember we used to have screensavers? Yes, I do. It just scrolls across my screensaver. Subjugation in return for safety. And then you decided I've had enough. Yes. Anyway, so on a positive note, good luck to all y'all. As you go out there and make those pitches for these things, it's way worse in your mind than it ever will be when you do it. Uh, whether they say yes or no, it's always worse in your mind. So don't don't kill yourself over that stuff. No, have the guts to do it. Yes. This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>